Welcome to An Apple a Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. How you feeling today, my friends? You feeling good? You feeling strong? You feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. We have got a good one for you today. A very serious one. We're going to be dealing with the disease anorexia nervosa. I'm sure everyone's heard of the term anorexia or anorexic. Unfortunately, too many people use the term anorexic as a joke. You know, you look at somebody and you go, oh, you're so skinny, you look anorexic. There's nothing funny about this. Believe me when I tell you. I'm sure if you know anybody that suffers from anorexia, you know it's not a joke. And believe me, if you've been listening to this podcast for the last couple of months, you do know somebody that suffered from anorexia. Our own Erin Fernandez, the host of The Vegan Possibility. And we're going to discuss her story today with her. And believe me, it's hard when you have to discuss your own story. But it's very important because... Erin, as you know, has suffered two strokes, and that's what's put her in the position that she's in. She can't walk. She has a hard time with her speech, but she's getting better each day. She's legally blind. And what caused all of this? That joke that they use on TV or that you use with your friends. Oh, you look anorexic. Well, anorexia is what caused these major problems in Erin's life. Anorexia almost stole Erin's life. As a matter of fact, anorexia steals people's lives every day. That's how serious this disease is. That's the reason we want to share this information with you. It's so important that you're aware of what anorexia can do. So I want you to sit back for a second and listen to this information I want to share with you. What is anorexia nervosa? Anorexia nervosa is a psychological illness that has devastating physical consequences. It is characterized by low body weight and body image distortion with an obsessive fear of gaining weight, which manifests itself through depriving the body of food. It often coincides with increased levels of exercise. There are two main subtypes of anorexia. Restricting type. This is the most commonly known type of anorexia nervosa whereby a person severely restricts their food intake. Restriction may take many forms, example, maintaining very low calorie count, restricting types of food eaten, eating only one meal a day, and may follow obsessive and rigid rules, example, only eating food of one color. Binge eating or purging type. Less recognized, this type of anorexia nervosa forms when a person restricts their intake as above but also has regularly engaged in binge eating or purging behavior, example, self-induced vomiting, over-exercise, misuse of laxatives, diuretics or enemas. Who gets anorexia nervosa? There is no single cause of anorexia but there are risk factors that increase the likelihood of anorexia developing. These can be cultural, biological or psychological. Anorexia nervosa usually develops during adolescence and generally has an earlier age of onset than bulimia nervosa and binge eating disorder. The latter are often developed during late adolescence or early adulthood. 
However, like all eating disorders, anorexia can develop at any age or stage of life for both males and females. It is a myth that only adolescent girls experience anorexia. In this episode of An Apple a Day, our own Erin Fernandez is discussing her personal battle with this horrible disease that almost robbed her of her life. Now, back to Jimmy Apple. Now, I don't want you to think that this podcast is going to be a full comprehensive coverage of the disease anorexia nervosa. No, it's a peek in the window of what anorexia nervosa is. And it's being done by example. It's being shown by example through Erin's experience. And I think this might be a good podcast for you to sit down maybe with your teenage kids and listen to this. Now, I want to forewarn you. It's a little bit disgusting in spots because we're telling you the truth as it is. We're not sugarcoating this. This is a vile, disgusting disease. It's not only a a physical disease, this is also a mental disease. And this is something that you can't tell your kids or, or a loved one. Hey, walk it off. Don't worry about it. You're going to see, you're going to hear this where Erin's parents actually tried to, to tell her, forget about it. Walk away from it. Don't let people know about it. This isn't something that can be hidden. This is a real disease. So real that this can take your loved one's life. This is not something to be swept under the carpet. And like I said, it's disgusting. It's so disgusting. And I'm speaking from firsthand experience myself. I was never anorexic, but I was married to a woman at one time that was severely anorexic. And I seen firsthand what this can do to a person. And believe me, you don't want to live through it if it's your kids or a loved one. Believe me when I say that. Now, I want to leave you before we go over to Erin, I want to leave you with a sound. Yes, a sound of what anorexia and bulimia sound like when, when, the, when your loved one is going through this at one of its worst parts, at one of its worst stages. I want to leave you with a little card here of what it sounds like. Hold on one second. <coughs> This is not pleasant for anybody, especially the person that it's affecting. But think about the people around them, the people that are in the home around them. But the person that it's affecting, just think for yourself on those rare occasions that you do have to vomit, that you do have nausea. Think about how you feel. Now this person is doing this to themselves, sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes twice a day. This is not healthy. This is killing them. Listen, at the end of the podcast, we're going to have resources that you can go to if you think one of your loved ones is suffering from anorexia. We're also going to have some tips. There'll be some tips in the story that Erin's telling you to look for that maybe you can spot if your child or your loved one's in trouble. There'll be some more tips and tricks that you can do to 
spot if there is a problem in, in your household or with a loved one or a child at the end of the podcast. So stick around to the end. This is very important. And like I said, this might be a good podcast to sit down and listen to with a teenager. It's a tough one, but it's a necessary one. Okay, let me go and I'll get Aaron and let's get started here. So sit back, relax, and we'll kick it off. All right, I'm here with Erin Fernandes, and today we're talking about a very serious subject. We're talking about anorexia nervosa and bulimia, and you hear this term thrown around a lot, but it doesn't hit home until it hits someone that you know or you love very, very much, and it could be a friend, it could be a family member, and in this case, it's our own Erin. How are you doing today, Erin? I'm doing very good, thank you. Erin, I know that you went through a rough patch when you were younger. And I'm not going to say much younger, but younger. And (laughs) couldn't resist. (laughs) But you went through a rough patch when you were younger. And I just want to, I want to explain a little bit of this. Anorexia, people think of anorexia and they think of girls and they think of them wanting to fit into clothes and they want to, you know, they want to slim down. They think it's a a minor thing when they hear anorexia. Sometimes they think of it as a joke that, oh, you're so skinny. You look anorexic. (laughs) It's far from a joke. Anorexia is a mental disease as, as well as a physical disease. And it's a disease that can kill you. It can give you physical harm you can do physical harm permanent physical harm as it did in your case right yes yes yeah that's i'm a a prime prime example exactly it could have killed you is it just as what only a couple of years ago now go ahead sorry no go ahead i I, i'd say it um it started when i was 13 and ended when i had my stroke at the edge of 30 but I'd say that there were two or three years within that time, I kind of was acting more on it, but not being bulimic, but I was being very choosy with what I ate. So I was still very thin. But I'll, I'll explain to you how it all started. It all began when I was 13 years old. I was chubby as a kid. I was not obese, but I was that 13-year-old prepubescent child. So I started gaining a little bit of weight. And my siblings, my brother and my sister were all six in. They were all twigs. So I was always the big one. And my brother and sister would always tease me and make fun of me, as kids do. And my mom would always say, she's not fat. She's just big boned. Now, people have seen me on Facebook. I don't know if you follow my page. I'm not clearly not big boned. <laughs> like, nothing, there's nothing big about me. So I knew in my head that my mother was lying in a way and just just got to stick up for me but her putting me on dealing me meant that she thought I was fat too and it really did a number on me and dealing me what people don't know uh, is that Richard Simmons thing it's back in the, in the 80s 90s I'm taking you all back so um, it was a program uh, they had the exercise tapes sweating till oldies etc and 
she became, put me on that and I was doing good for a while. But then as I started losing weight, started people, people started being nicer to me. And I noticed like, oh gosh, like my mom would take me out to go shopping to my, buy me new clothes or, uh, or I would ha- get to have ice cream, which I usually can have as a treat because I was losing weight. So I was rewarded for that behavior. It was almost like a dog, you know, like you reward your dog, you know, he did something good. He didn't, didn't pee on the floor, you know, so he gets a treat. So in my 13 year old head, I was like, oh, this is good. I'm going to keep losing weight. So then I took it way too far. So then I started, I started strictly walking and running and saying that I was probably 13, 14 years old now. I started running. I would walk down the street, but then I would start running from away from my house. So I started running secretly. Um, but then I, I would walk back like I just walked. It took a like, two-mile walk or something. Everything was secretive about it. But I didn't know what I was doing. It's like I didn't know what I had. I just knew that I wanted to be thin. And being thin was good. And my dad always made fun of fat people. Like, I, I make my parents sound horrible, but... They really were just ignorant. They didn't know any better, you know. So, but then as I started losing weight, people started being nicer to me. And like boys started asking me out, boys started noticing me, and everything just got better. So to me, that was reinforcing being thin is good. Being thin, be, you know, get skinnier, get skinnier. And eventually, gosh, when I was, my lowest weight was 86 pounds, and I, I'm only 5'1, so I'm not a tall person, but. That, that's skinny for a person and i'd say now i pr- probably weigh 100 pounds and now i'm healthy happy obviously i am disabled i'm legally blind i use the walker or a wheelchair i'm very sedentary my life is totally different so from what it became so let me ask you didn't your parents notice though that you were losing too much weight uh, they did but then they if so i remember them talking with my friend's parents just my friend her husband was a doctor and they were talking in the other room and I remember saying my dad saying all I want to do is I don't care if she eats apples all day long just eat something but it was kind of like just I was not going to eat I was not going to eat or I was going to sneak eat or you know sneak but then what happened is they started forcing me to eat so then I got the idea I'll throw up I'll throw it up so at first, I was just purely anorexic for a good two, year, two years. But then when they started forcing me to eat, I thought, ta-da, this is perfect. I have the best idea. I can, I can eat and appease them, and I can be mean. I, I, I can throw up and so keep the food away from me and not get any weight. It, it, it was just bad. But they did notice. Um, and there was lots, lots of fights, lots of dangerous times where I would legit put all the salad dressings in front of my food plate so my mother and father couldn't see my food plate from across the table <laughs> like that like that was like you know in, in a 14 year old pad that was the, that was the solution you know You're so building a food fort yeah building a food <laughs> fort you know so or, or like hiding at thanksgiving dinner hiding my turkey in my mashed potatoes you know so like just kind of smooshing it in there and also just it, it was really bad. It, it was just bad. But I'd say nothing was worse than when I started being bulimic. Uh, being bulimic, that's where things really got bad. Because Ex- explain it, what being bulimic is. Being bulimic is when you eat a large amount of food and then you make yourself throw up. You stick your hand down and throw. Do whatever you need to do. You know, you make it. Some people use the ICA, ICA pack. That's you know, 
some people use that to make themselves throw up is a medicine, but just making yourself throw up. And I was more of a person who ate food, food. I never ate junk food. I would eat like an egg, scrambled egg, a huge bowl of scrambled eggs, a huge bowl. And I would eat like a, a big bowl of pasta or like or some pizza. Like I was more of a food person. And then I would just throw up, you know, you think of bulimics as eating Oreos and Ding Dongs and you know, all the candy and stuff like that. But I ate more food, food. So I think honestly, my body was just hungry. My body was probably telling me I'm hungry. Please let me eat. So, but I, I wouldn't allow myself to eat. So, and so, but when I started the vicious cycle of bulimia, gosh, that I'd say from 15 till 30. So that good, good majority of portion of my life. And it just got so exhausting. Because you're constantly tired and you're constantly depleting your body. You're constantly, and I, I wouldn't always eat and throw up, like only after a certain meal, but I eat and throw up. Like there are certain meals that I would eat in public, like I, I went out to dinner or went out on a date or something like that. I didn't do that then. I was going to say that has yeah, to yeah, be pretty no. sickening. Yeah, yeah, that I would not do that then because, you know, that's that was kind of just, no, that'd be gross, you know. Yeah, but, really. But I, but I don't know why. That was any more different to me than like why that was gross and the me just doing it well, you're on, on a, my own was not gross. You're you know? out so, on a date. Yeah, yeah. So, Going like, to the but, movies afterwards. But, yeah, but, but I'm sure some people have. I'm sure some people do. You know, is that that's I can maintain the control. Like, but when I would do it, it's like I had no control of my own self. Like I, I would eat this massive amount of food and I, and I would look like I not I was not much pregnant, and uh. then I would go to throw up. And it was just, I hated myself. I legit hated myself. And it was so, so lonely, so sad feeling, and so uh, miserable. Just like, I like, I legit, like, I thought, well, I'm not going to live very long. So I may as well just, like, have some fun and, like, do the, not, not have some fun, but, like, just do whatever, you know, because I'm not going to live very long. Like, I, I knew I didn't like, have much to live for. Like, it, it was really depressing and really... But I think that was at the bulk of it. That was really sad and depressed. But you're, and, you know, you're thinking you're not going to live very long, but you're going out on dates. Yeah. So I was living life. I was living life, but I wasn't living. I wasn't, like, I was go, just going through the motions. Like, I I, I felt like a doll. You know, like, you know, like, I just wanted everything to, I wanted to have all my accessories and just, like, look, like, look pretty and look nice and just go. And I, I, I don't want to actually live. You know, it's, I don't want to do the day-to-day stuff, like, you know, the day-to-day. I just wanted to, like, be, like, like a, you, when you watch the movies, you know, I, I, I don't know. Right. I can't explain it. No, I understand what you're saying. But now, yeah. I have to ask this also. You're living in a house with your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. Yep. And you're in your room vomiting. Um, um, yeah, uh, the, the point, I, I didn't, I, I wanted to do it in my room. At the point, I always went to the bathroom. I did it. Well, I always the, take a shower. But I that's always, what I, I mean. Take a shower. Yeah. But, but yeah, they, no, no. No, they, they, they didn't are, smell they, that? Um, no, no. I always used the air freshener and they like, you figure I, I was, gosh, my eating sort of started when I was 13. Like, I say, believe me, I started when I was 13, 14. So, my fiance didn't even know, you know, he knew he had an inkling, but not until really I told him like, yeah, and this was the one I was probably 25, 25, no, 24, 25. And we had gone to college together. Like, you know, people, I, I went to Europe or see the college, you know, um, traveled abroad. People didn't know. Everyone know 
maybe feel suspected or thought something was like odd about me, but I was such a good hider. And when you're that good at hiding a part of you, don't ever get to really know anyone. You don't let anyone in because it's, I was so afraid someone would see the real me and and not like it or, 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 or I, I didn't even like it. So how would anyone else like it? So right. um, it, it was really, um, so it's like, it was really, I was living a, a double life. I was living like, it was just miserable. And uh, I was very, very sad. But at that point, I, I was, I didn't take any, any depressants. I, I did, I did try to get help. I remember back in the day when I was younger, I did ask my mom when, when this first came, like I told her I was throwing up and things like that. Uh, and she was got, you know, really mad at me. And then my dad actually broke a coffee table. So he that, broke that a, a coffee was, table. Yeah. Yep. He slammed his hand down on the coffee table, said, I'm just going to stop. And I just never talked about it again with him. So, and, and my dad broke a coffee table. So I did ask my mom, pull it, I pulled her aside and I said, I know that this girl, and this was back when I was 14, I, I know this girl uh, that goes to the local hospital, and there's an eating disorder group that is, they have. And my mom said to me, I don't know why she said this, but the more I think of it, the more I think my, you know, my mom was not so great, but but um, said to me, well, then everyone will know if you go to that support group, because she'll tell everyone, do you want to go? Because everyone will know that you have an eating disorder. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to go. I don't I don't want to go at all. So it was kind of like now looking back, if my daughter, you know, I don't have the kids, kids or children, mm-hmm. but my daughter or son said to me, hey, I have this problem. And I knew she was kind of throwing up or I knew she was eating, you know, or restricting her eating. And um, she said to me, can I go to this clinic? I would be like, yeah. I would say, oh, well, in a In a heartbeat. Know. In a heartbeat. Yeah. So that's where... And and I think my mom may have had some minor eating issues as well. I she never really talked about it, but she was always tiny, um, and the, she was always pride herself. She was 108 pounds, 108 pounds. Whenever she got over that, oh man, she would she would look up. No, she wouldn't do anything crazy, but she like would just make sure she got back to onto her weight, you know. So, but so her. She had probably had some mental issue, you know, with it as well too. Not <laughs> me- not mental issue, but you know. Your mother so. and my mother must have been related. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just hoping to share the like education awareness. What the podcast is all about. But I want to I want to ask you now. Didn't all the 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 bulimia? Yeah. Now, just recently, didn't it affect your teeth? Oh gosh. The enamel yeah. on your teeth. Yeah, the bulimia. Um, it certainly has. Um, the bulimia affected my teeth uh, a lot, and uh, what first had happened was when I was first, I was probably I was probably 25, and I was trying to get help. I was trying to I was going to do uh, like a night treatment program. I was you know doing out you know outside treatment, and I had this idea. Of my dentist said I told him I, I didn't like my teeth because I told him I was bulimic, you know, and I was trying to get help for it. I'm I'm getting better, and he said, oh, I can get veneers, and I'm like, oh wow. We can, I can get veneers because I didn't like how my teeth looked a little thin. They looked a little, little see-through from all the enamel being worn off. Mm-hmm. So that was the worst thing I could have ever done because getting veneers or veneers or crowns, whatever you call them, they break. They're no less forever. So now I'm forever having to deal with, I have a partial denture right now because my veneer broke or my veneer like fell out. 
it, it fell out and it, they cannot put it back in. Right. So I have to wear a partial denture. I'm like 42 years old. I'm not. I'm not an old lady. I don't. I don't want to be wearing a partial denture. So I'm. I'm going to have to pay for a dental implant. And I know that's my decision, but that's five thousand dollars. You know. Right. So, but I don't want to be. I'm not sure if you can notice, but I'm talking with a little lisp here because I'm missing my tooth because I don't wear the denture when I talk. Because it sounds like I, I have a gobstopper in my mouth. Right. So, um, so yes. So, but but uh, and then all my back, both my back molars, I've had to have pulled because they're so they were so infected. They had to have root canals. Uh, my back molars, and, and now I cannot chew. Like everyone loves potato chips or things like that. I can't have potato chips or, or hard crackers, really hard things. No, the Stacey's potato chips, like uh, Stacey's pita chips, I love them, but I can't eat them because they hurt my mouth. Right. It's like, yeah. So, no, it's not a big deal, but it's just like, it just. It, it, it yeah. is because if, now, this, the, uh, the reason I'm asking you this is because I want to point it out to people that are, the, the young people. Yes. Yeah. That are that are doing this now or even considering doing this now. Yeah. This is what you have to look forward to. And I, I don't mean to put yeah. you on the spot, Erin. Oh yeah, no, no. I'm yeah. I'm and, and I'm kinda using you as an example. Yeah. But for people that are that are doing this or for parents that suspect your kids are doing this. Yeah. This is something that you can explain to your kids that this is what they have to look forward to. Your yeah. your teeth thinning out, your not being able to eat a potato chip. Yeah, I mean, my, my hair, my hair got really thin before I went vegan. My hair was so thin, so thin. It was like, uh, it, it looked like if I didn't curl my hair at all, it, it looked like I had two hair, two little sprouts on my head. <laughs> so thin, yeah. And, so. you know, it's things that, you know, and and I'm not saying, put it this way, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to really cut your big break. I'm not going to say it wasn't your fault because you did it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm not going to say it was 100% your fault because there was issues going on also. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so, and what I, what the point of this is that we're trying to do is, like Aaron said, educate. Yeah. So that parents can look at their kids and, and see and not be like her parents or be like my parents would be. Yeah. And say, oh, push it under the rug. Don't let people see that you're having yes. problems. Yes, yes. You know, help your yep. kids when you see the, see something like this. Now, that's the other thing, Eric. Well, let's stick with this, the, the after effects of it. You know, it's yeah. one thing you're going through it. Now, I knew somebody that they were 18 years old and weighed 80 pounds. Yeah. And it came time for their, their, their high school graduation. They couldn't go. Wow. They ended up in the hospital because they couldn't stand on their own two feet. It's a sickness. It's it's such a vile, disgusting sickness. Yeah, yeah, it is disgusting. It, I used to always like say I pretty I, I look pretty on the outside, but if someone saw me in the inside, my body is all disgusting and raw. You know, I, I just just I don't feel that way anymore. But I used to feel that way all the time. Like I was just so disgusting on the inside. It's horrible. It's horrible. And you know the the funny thing is, it's always like the nicest people that have the worst body image of themselves. Yes. And they they think that they're doing something better for themselves by making themselves look like a walking, talking skeleton. Yeah. And look what happened after the fact. Now, all right, the teeth were bad. That's bad enough. Now, yep. then you had the stroke. Yep. Had the strokes. And, and, these, and the, my stroke was not from high blood pressure or from a blood clot or anything like that that you normally hear, have a stroke cause. 
my stroke was caused from uh, low potassium levels and lo- low like low vitamin levels. I'm not sure exactly, but I know that I had, I was on potassium pills for a long time after my stroke, and now I'm not on it anymore because you know I get enough nutrients in my body by my current diet. It it was bad for a long time, and if I missed potassium, like I would pass out sometimes. I like even after the couple of years after, it was still an issue. So, oh no, no, I would just say it's an ugly, ugly disease. And the thing is, is once you have a stroke, guarantee it's almost it's almost a hundred percent guaranteed that once you have one stroke, there's another one waiting in line to hit you. Yep. And, and that's, that's what mine was. Exactly. Six yep. Six. I uh, six. I was walking. I could walk. Everyone thought. When I was at my rehab hospital, that I was the worker there. Um, that I just hurt my leg or something. I functioned that well. People thought I was a nurse or a CNA or staff person. And I was like, no, I'm a patient, you know, because I walked around. I could walk around. I could go into the fridge. I could do things. I I could maintain my balance. I, I had no problems at all. I walked freely. And after my second stroke, it basically, I say, destroyed me. And now I can only use the walker or a wheelchair. And obviously because of COVID and things like a lack of therapy, um, it's I've just gotten even worse, you know, because it's just not, not, you know, worse. But I know that I can get back there. It's just that's why I try to do my bike, you know, a couple times a week. I try to do my floor exercises. Like if people follow my, my uh, group page, they know what I'm talking about. But I try to keep up what I'm doing that way when this virus does go away, go away, whatever it does, if I can actually get it out into the real world and maybe go to physical therapy or maybe in dream, a dream of dreams, I would love to do water therapy. and That would be awesome. That's great for me. But you know, well, that's all in the future. So we'll, we'll take it each day at a time. But this is all, now believe it or not, this is all from eating. Or lack of eating. Yes, lack of eating, yes. Or, or eating and throwing up. You know, eating yeah, and, eating and evacuating. And, yeah, in my mind, you know how you, you talk to yourself in your own little brain, you know? So <laughs> I would always say, like, I feel like I, I'm just a holding cell for the food. I Like, I'm just, I'm not really eating the food. I'm eating and throwing it up. So that's why I would eat McDonald's. I do eat, like, uh, things I would not even normally ever conceive of eating. I would eat, like, pizza mcdonald's like stuff like this like or bountifuls of eggs and but because i felt like i wasn't really eating it and i was just a holding cell for it you know but then, then of course you don't always get everything all up so you know it you do have some nutrients in there so it's kind of like that it, that was the one benefit that probably helped me because it probably gave me like a little bit of nutrients to actually survive that long so <laughs> really yeah now erin if a parent doesn't know anything about this what are some of the things they can look at now one thing i do want to point out before we even get to that you know a lot of people think that anorexia only affects girls that's a big big false that's false anorexia affects both boys and girls and bulimia too yeah and bulimia eating disorders affects boys and girls yeah. It's not just for girls. It's not not just girls that want to get into bikinis. It's yeah. boys that want to get with girls that want to get into bikinis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but 
it affects boys and girls. It's not yeah. just for females. And do you know, 25% of the boys that are, that are affected by anorexia, 25%, according to the national, what is it, the national Actually, eating, eating disorder association, 25% of the boys affected by anorexia nervosa end up dying. Crazy. 25%. Can you can you imagine that? And this is all from an eating disorder. So you got to watch your kids. Now, Erin, what can parents look for? Like some some signs that maybe their kids are in trouble with an eating disorder. I would say um, really uh, like restrictive eating, like maybe saying, oh, I don't I don't want to eat that. Like like if your kid doesn't want to eat pizza because, you know, She'd rather have the salad, but, you know, maybe that's her choice. But I would say when you know that it's a thing, that it's becoming a ritual or it's it's becoming, yeah. If you notice that something is becoming ritualistic or they only will only eat certain foods, um, I would say talk to them. Don't do what my parents did to me. Don't yell at them or make me feel bad. And if your kids ask for help, help them. This is what happens when you don't help your children. I'm a prime example of what I feel former eating disorder patient was, you know, so it's you know, not to say if you're all your kids are going to have strokes or things like that, but it, it is it is what could happen it, or even worse, I could have died. So I was in a coma for, for two weeks and they didn't know if I was going to live and I was totally blind when I first woke up and I could not move. So we didn't know what was going to happen to me. So, um, but I would say just to, Help them and maybe watch what they're earning and talk to them about it. Talk to them about healthy nutrition. And and I I'm of course I've since been vegan past four and a half, four point five years. Um, and that has helped me tremendously. Um, because I'm no longer it's no longer about food for me. It's no longer like I cannot believe that I even ever consumed McDonalds and things like that. But even more so, I cannot believe I ever that did that. But like being vegan now, you know, it's it's it's, it's like I can't fathom the idea. But I did, and I, I certainly did, and I certainly liked it. So, um, but it talks about about healthy nutrition and healthy body image, and 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 if you kids like start gaining weight or something like that, like don't make them feel bad. Teach them how to exercise. Maybe go for family walks, or you know, just be motivated. Be be the role model, you know, because my parents, you know, they, they, they like I consider them to be good parents. But as I'm getting older, you know, and getting to that age now, I'm kind of like a, having a maybe they weren't that good, but <laughs> you know. So and just you know, be the role model and talk to them and explain to them. Like it's like I I think if my mother really talked to me, or if someone ever really came to me and said, Aaron hey, listen, it's okay. Because anytime I ever told somebody, it was always used, held against me. Like anything I told my mother ever, or anything I told my sister ever, it was used against me and hold air in my head. And be like, oh, well, you said this, or you said that. Yeah, but, you know, I said that to you in confidence, you know, so it was like I could never trust anyone. So that's what even made me um, go into the eating disorder even more. Um, I, I had a lot of friends in high school and in college, but they were on the surface friends. I had no really close, close friends. They were on the surface. I was kept in a day. And I, I believe that was a lot from the eating disorder. So I never developed fully relationships. Even my, my fiance, 
when I was in, and after I got out of college and into my the twenties, and we were probably we were not as close there or as close as you'd think you would be, you know. So I, I think it it held me back from a lot of things. Well, so. I, I do want to say this to parents: if you go in your child's room, now I'm not saying go in and search your kid's room. Oh yeah, and that's what I hated. My mom would always do that. But if you do go in your child's room and you happen to see maybe a box of laxatives yeah, or you happen to see stockpiles. Now, I'm not talking about a couple of candy bars yeah, or, you know, a couple of cookies. I'm talking about stockpiles of candy bars and stockpiles of cookies, like family-sized packages of cookies or cakes or something. Those are warning signs. Yeah. Yeah. Those are extreme warning signs, actually, that your kid has a problem because that's what they do to binge. They binge and then they purge. They'll eat that and then go somewhere and puke it up, for lack of a better word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The other thing is kids that have garbage bags in their room. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not, kids don't clean up their rooms that often that they have a package of garbage bags. Yeah, yeah. So they use those. It, look for the look for things that they may sound like uh, they're nothing, but they stand out. Like I said, stockpiles of cookies and candy, uh, maybe six packs of soda, Sh- anything sugary that can fill up a body. Uh, carbonated drinks because it fills up, and then they purge. Yeah. And yeah. believe me, all of that purging is gonna not only affects their teeth. Not only affects their bones, but like with Aaron, in Aaron's case, yeah. affects their nervous system, affects the, it, they'll end up with a stroke. They could end up with a heart attack. Yeah. It could end up killing them. And parents have to be vigilant. It's very important. And not just for kids. This could be, like Aaron said, oh, oh, yeah, she was in her 20s. Adults. Yeah, yeah. I was in, it lasted a lot long. And it, 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 I had my stroke in my 30s. So it was, right. It was, when I was 30. So it, it's not like like when I turned 30 or right the day before, I was perfect, you know. So it, 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 I was probably like, I probably ate and threw up and, you know, did whatever I did before then. So, I mean, you you could be you could be anorexic in, in your 50s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I went to wait, uh, I went to wait to Renfro Center in Florida and there uh, was. A woman, she, I think she, I believe she was in, she was like in her 60s. And her husband would come visit her every day. And it was so loving and so nice, but it was so sad that she, this is, she's in her 60s and supposed to be enjoying her life and enjoying her retirement. But yet she's in, you know, it was, and I know it's not something that you can just not, you can just get over it. You know, it, it's a mental issue and it takes years and it takes a lot of, and understanding and just uh, acceptance of yourself and being who you are. Um, but it was so sad because it's like I looked at her and I was thought to her myself, I don't want to be that. But yeah. even though I was probably I was probably 23 years old at that time. So but I, I thought, oh, well, I don't want to be that. But who knows? Maybe if I didn't have my stroke, maybe it would have been that. Maybe it would have been her in my 60s and still having an eating disorder. And still, you know, if my, cause I believe my stroke kind of saved my life, you know, so in a way, in a weird, in a weird, in weird, weird way. way. You know? Yeah. But that's the other thing too. Don't, don't think that you can tell your kids or your, 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 
your family or your loved ones that, you know, just walk it off, forget about it. Yeah. It this isn't something that you just walk off and forget about. You can't like Aaron's father banging a coffee table. Yeah, yeah. You can't bang your way out of this. This is something that needs professional help. Would you tell someone that has cancer, huh, go walk it off? Yeah, no. You can't. You this is a disease. Yeah. This isn't this isn't someone that went crazy on weight watches. Yeah. yeah. This is a disease and it has to be treated as such. And too many kids, too many, you, the last thing you need, especially with everything else going on in the world, is your kid starving himself or herself to death right in front of your eyes. And you're yeah, doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. The, it's, it's, it's sad. But yeah. thank God, Erin, that you're okay. I, yeah. I mean, you, you, you're okay to a point. I mean, there's certain things. That, yeah, 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 certain things. <laughs> certain yeah. things that, uh, you know, maybe a bang on the head with a coffee table might help. Yeah. But, but no, I mean, thank God you're okay. I mean, for, for everything that you went through. But, uh, you know, if you're a parent or if you're a kid listening to this, listen yeah. to what she's telling you. Yeah. And if you want to talk to me, I'm, you can find me on Facebook. Or you, can, me. you can find yeah. her on Email Facebook. Me. You know, yeah. You can find Erin on Facebook at famousapple.com forward slash that vegan disabled gal. Now, her 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 contact uh, information is going to be in the show notes for this podcast. It's in the show notes for every podcast we do. Yeah. So if you ever want to get in touch with her, that's how you do it. Go right on there, join her group, and you can talk to. She's always on the. She's always on her group page. Yeah, I'm always on. Trust me, you can reach her at six in the morning or six yeah. at night or midnight. She, just go on there and type in Erin, and yeah, she'll yeah. come right back. <laughs> that's like a, like a genie, like a rubbing a genie lamp. Yeah, and that's all. Just you can just tap on tap on your screen. She'll answer you. She's but, she, but, she's always there. But before we close out, um, I I don't know if you're closing out, but I would just like to say how being vegan helped me so much because it's like it was it became not about it became about choosing the compassionate ethical thing not want to contribute to more harm and that way feeding myself was feeding my body and feeding and nourishing my body and so i want to do this so i'm gonna eat some oatmeal because it's heavier than you know um eating a piece of toast or something like that because i i'm gonna do my butt today or i'm gonna do you know, like before when i used to go to the gym i used to have a breakfast every morning and things like that and i used to you know, make sure I had a good breakfast, and you know, and this was after I, my first stroke, but before my second stroke, when I could still walk and things like that. But I still did not feel um, like I, I could eat whatever I wanted. I still felt like very restrictive. But once I became vegan, the whole my whole mindset as to use, using food, I no longer looked at food as good or bad food, or or, or, or it's like, it, it was just food. It was, you know, it was protein, it was vegetables, it was gonna nourish me, nourish my body, and not not just, uh, oh, I'm gonna have a cheat day, so I'm gonna eat some pizza. Yeah, I still have pizza, but it's vegan pizza, vegan, so with cauliflower crust, and it's just so much healthier for you, so I wish I had become vegan all the years ago, because I sometimes the meals I eat, the size of the meal I eat, like at dinner time, sometimes would be the size of a meal that I would have normally thrown up. But because it's all good food, it's all healthy food, and not obviously not 
in that mindset anymore. You know, um, it's I don't feel the need to. I don't feel the need or the desire desire because it's all good food. It's all healthy, nutritious. You know, added for me. So it's not like a I feel guilty. Like you know, you oh you ate a big plate of a plate of fried clams or something like that. You feel gross and disgusting, or you just want to take a nap. So, but thing for me, it just it helped me look at food in a way is it what it should be what how you should look at it as food or source for nourishment and not as um not as good or bad yeah i know if i'm making any sense so but don't ask me <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah no although people say seafood is good or bad or that's good a salad is healthy you know but McWhopper is bad, you know, so it, but it's good and bad. In the eating disorder world, you put food in a, you compartmentalize them into a, a good and bad settings, you know, so um, so there's some foods I've never even considered eating. Like, for the longest time, I n- would never eat chips. And like, I remember in, being in high school and, and, and college and, uh, you know, of course, French parties, and et cetera, they always had chips, but I would always eat the pretzels, never eat the chips. Really? And because it was... Yeah, it was just, I would eat pretzels, but not chips. They were too fatty and too bad for me. It, too, it was that you, you had, I had this rules, that rigid rules, you know. And I can see how some people can see, because I was doing a little research um, on veganism and eating disorders. And some were saying, you can you should not be vegan after an eating disorder. And they were saying, because um, it's just another way, way to restrict your diet. I think it, it's all a matter of your your reasoning. Your your my my reasoning for doing it. It's not not because I don't want want to eat um, cheese. I yeah, I used to love cheese. I used to love cheese and things like that. Even but I don't want to cause any harm. So it's it, it makes it it takes it all off the table. So and I will still eat cheese, but I'll eat vegan cheese. You know, so I still have that. But I, I just it's it's different for me. It makes it more about. Um, not once causing a separate. So, so, let me ask you now. Now, now you got me curious. Do you eat chips now? Um, yeah, little chips now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I haven't had chips in a while because my mouth, you know. So, right. but I, the last time I ate them was maybe a week ago, and that's when I was like, oh gosh, this hurt. Oh, I can't really eat those anymore. So, do you do you so, still eat pretzels? Um, yeah, I, I eat pretzels, uh, but every now and then, again, the same thing, the right. crunchiest things hurt my mouth, so, but yeah, but, uh, but now it's like, but one thing I will not eat, because this was huge, huge trigger for me, um, is pasta, I will not have pasta, right. because well, I can it, it just reminds, that. yeah, it just reminds me of eating it, and even though it may not, like, may not be, you know, just eating a little bit, like, I will eat pasta if we're at someone's house for dinner. You know, that's you know what's being served. But I will not go and make pasta for myself or, or have Jamie make pasta for me because it's just not something. It just reminds me of that the memories of throwing right. it up. And so, so pasta, and throwing, pasta. Throwing, up, throwing up pasta is kind of gross. It's all stringy. <laughs> <and you know, laughs> yeah, it's kind of gross. So, so pasta is like your peas and carrots. Yes, pasta is my <laughs> peas and carrots. Yes, so. Yeah. yeah, but but it, it's it's really like I mean I could go on for hours um, talking about it because it's like in telling my story there's so much more to the story as everyone's story there is um, you know it's the this is just the cliff notes version like a quarter tip of the iceberg um, what? but 
I think you did a good job of letting people know like the the basics because yeah. it helps people to understand what to look for and yeah. you you've touched on the tips of what the horror parts of it are. Yeah. I mean like you just said, we could go on because the there's the other horror parts of it of being in the hospital, having your stomach oh, pumped, yep. drinking the charcoal. I mean, yep. that's it's so disgusting. It's a it's a disgusting disease, and I I, yeah. I feel bad that you went through it, but I'm glad that you came out of it, that you came through it. Put it that way, because I've seen people go through the the anorexia treatment. Yeah, you've seen firsthand. You know, yeah. yeah, but forget that for the moment. I've just seen it, and the the disgusting, the things that it's disgusting enough what you do to yourself. Yeah. But what the doctors have to do to you to bring you through it. Yeah. Is uh, there's a commercial that says, "Be careful what you wish for," because you're wishing that you could just get through it, and the coming yeah. through it is like coming off a of heroin. It looked like to yeah. me, you know, yeah. the DTs of coming off a of heroin. It was terrible. Yeah. And. Just that, that charcoal, that charcoal pump to have your stomach pumped out. That's, uh. Yeah. And having to go through it and having to be force-fed and, you know, you fight, your mind is fighting your body and, oh, to put, yourself, to put yourself through it. And I'm not saying that you put yourself through it, but to have to have to go through that is yeah. so hard and if you it, feel it, that you're going through it or if you feel it's coming on somehow or you know that you're having a mental conflict in a, a mental conflict with yourself the best thing to do is reach out to somebody somebody yeah. you can trust whether it be your parents or a, or a school counselor or a regular you know a, a counselor outside depending on how old you are somebody yeah. that you can talk to yeah that's that, a friend or grandparent, anybody, or, you know, aunt, uncle, and just to know you're not alone because there are so many people out there like like us. You know, like it's like you know, I I I'm very lucky that I don't currently suffer. That I don't like, not currently um, enact on any of my things. But when you're like an uh, where you are an alcoholic, you always have those tendencies. So it's like when I first. Could not eat for a little while because my tooth got infected again, a product of my bulimia. We, I was losing weight, and so Jamie was getting really concerned because I wasn't even getting very concerned because this was maybe a, a couple months ago. I was, I lost maybe like no, not a lot of weight, but I lost maybe like four pounds. But for someone who's only 100 pounds, that's a lot four of weight. Four pounds is a lot know? of weight, yeah, yeah. So, so in a so it's like we are trying to think of things I could eat, but. I legit couldn't eat anything. I was crying in agony. It'd be, I'd be eating something and then have to take uh, handfuls of Motrin and things like that, or not Motrin, but ibuprofen, etc. So, mm -hmm. but um, and so, but it was just we were conscious of it. So you always got to be conscious of it. So it's not like something you can just kind of like, oh, I'm fine now. You know, yeah, that was in the past, and so. But just know you're not alone and um, that there are people out there to help you. Like I said, you can reach out to me, reach out to me. Reach out to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy, has, Jimmy has had experience in this matter too as well. So, and you know, so it'll be here to help. Just one more thing. If you get to be like that where you can't eat, trust me. Now, I've had this myself. 
you do not want a feeding tube in you. Oh, yes. I, I had a feeding tube as well. <laughs> that, that is no barrel of monkeys, my friends. That's... Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. I felt like I was in the Matrix. I, I had a feeding tube in me, and obviously it had... Um, the, the NG tube that takes my, it yeah, out? Yes. Yeah, the, the, the pee and things like that. Mm. Um, oh, the then, catheter. Yeah, that's the catheter. A, I had a catheter. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. And so I felt like I was in the Matrix. I don't know if anyone knows the Matrix. When he, Neo is born, he's attached to all these things. And because I was blind at first, I, I couldn't see. So I just felt like I was attached to things. <laughs> exactly. So I felt like I was in the Matrix. <laughs> so. Yeah, and if you're a guy, trust me. You don't oh, want a yeah. catheter. <laughs> Trust me. And there's another thing. You don't feel it going in because nine times out of ten, you're under anesthesia. But oh, when that comes out, out, buddy. Yeah. You will they, feel it. they say take a deep breath. Well, I hope you can take a super deep yeah. breath. <laughs> yep. uh, you see stars and dead people. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. But you don't want any of that. So if you feel that you're getting... If you ever feel like you have problems that you just can't handle, that you just can't... That they're over, starting to overwhelm you, get help. Wherever you can yeah. get it, get help. Talk yeah. to someone. Talk to a trusted friend. Talk to a professional. Talk to your family doctor. Your yeah. family doctor can recommend you some, to someone, a professional. Your family doctor can prescribe medicine to help you get get through it. Go to the emergency room. Go to urgent care. Go wherever you got to go, but get help. It It's no different. When you have a mental, mental problem, it's no different from having a broken bone or having a cold. Yep, a disease is a disease, and it has to be attended to. There's no stigma attached to it anymore. They're not going to lock you up in a straitjacket and put you in a dark, dank yeah. room. With no windows. <laughs> They're going to put you in a hospital bed. They may put. They may just give you a shot and send you home. Yeah. They may give you a pill and send you home. They may give you nothing and send you home and with an appointment to go see someone else. But it's, th trust me, it's not what you see on movies. You're not wandering around doing the Thorazine shuffle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, a, don't, no, forget, no, none of that. Forget the, all that stuff. It's a disease. It's a sickness that has to be attended to, and you have it attended to just like you would. If you had cancer, would you say, no, I'm not going because I don't want people to know I'm sick? Yeah. Make sure you, you take could, care of yourself. Yeah, and it, you got to take time. Because I know for me, I was in like my mid-20s like, when I went away for a treatment to Renfro. And it, even though I loved going, I loved being there. It was like a, a month of being on a camp. Then Hurricane Katrina came in and pretty much wiped things out. So I moved to another treatment center and, uh, in Dallas, which was horrible. It was like girl interrupted. And at this point, I was not vegan, but I was vegetarian. And they wanted me to eat a steak. Eat a steak was my first meal. I'm like, no, I'm not eating it. I'm not eating it. And they, I, I said to them, I legit will eat a stick of butter, but I will not eat this steak. So, But anyway, that's kind of besides the point. But take time. You, you are worth it take time it may take you six months to, out of your life to get better but six months of your whole life to fix yourself it to come to uh, uh to be find happiness it's worth it believe you me i i wish i had i wish i had 
taken, you know, I wish I'd stayed at Renfro. I wish I'd stayed there in Florida because maybe I, my whole life wouldn't be different. Maybe, well, who knows? Maybe, you know, the water coach should have game, you know, so, but who knows oh. what it would have been. So, but take time for yourself. You are worth it. Definitely. So we're going to leave you, we're going to leave you with that. And I'm going to leave you with one other thing that I usually save for the end of the podcast, but it fits in right here. No matter what, no matter what, things can always be worse. Right now, there's somebody somewhere wishing that they were in your position. So things can always be worse. Never forget that. All right, Erin, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I know it wasn't easy. You know, it's never easy sharing stories about ourselves. Yeah. But you, I, I, I know you helped somebody today. Thank you. I know you did. But we'll be back. We'll see you next time. All right, Erin? All right, excellent. Thank you. Thank you for being here today, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Well, that was some story, and believe me when I tell you, Aaron could have went on for hours with that story. But as I promised, I want to give you a couple of things to look out for with your kids or your loved one. This way, it gives you an idea. It's not a guarantee that they are suffering from anorexia, but these are some things to look for that might give you a hint that they are involved, and you might want to discuss this with your doctor. If you see your kid suddenly wearing baggy clothes, now I'm not talking about this hip-hop stuff, you know, where they're wearing their jeans below their ass and oversized shirts that come down to their knees. I'm talking about like sweatpants and oversized sweatshirts and they always look like they're cold. Well, the fact of the matter is, is they're probably trying to hide the fact that they are losing weight. And you know what? They probably are cold because... Losing so much weight, they're making themselves anemic. So if you see suddenly that your kids, and and the weather's warm out, mind you, and you see that they're wearing these oversized sweatshirts, oversized sweatpants, that might be a a time to, to sit down and talk with your kids and maybe try to have them take the sweatshirt off and see see what's what. And if they don't want to, maybe talk to your doctor and explain what your, what your fear is that you're afraid that they're dieting themselves to death. Another thing that you look for is if their eyes start to look like they're sinking in, if your cheeks are starting to look like they're sinking in, almost they're getting like a skeletal look. Their coloring is getting bad. Talk to your doctor. Right away, talk to your doctor. If they're starting to lose hair, yes, losing hair, their hair is getting thin, talk to their doctor. If you go into their bedroom, and you happen to notice that there is a load of candy bars, a load of family, family-sized packages of cookies or cake or food of any kind. That, like family-sized, though. I'm talking about big packages. I'm not talking about like uh, a Kit Kat bar or Reese's peanut butter cup here and there. I'm talking about a lot. That's time to stop being worried. Because what they're doing is they're stockpiling and they're getting ready to binge and purge. By binging, I mean they eat it all. And you can, you can 
physically see their stomach expand, and then they vomit. And they vomit it all out of their system, and their stomach goes down again. My ex-wife used to do that. Her stomach looked like she was six months pregnant. She'd go in and vomit, and she'd come out looking thin as a rail again. That is so bad for your system. So, As Erin said in her story there that she was telling us, it killed her teeth, not to mention her stomach lining and her throat. The other thing to look for is air fresheners. If you see air fresheners, cans of air fresheners, pop-ups, if your kid starts burning incense suddenly, or they have the windows open in the middle of the day or in the middle of the night, could be snowing out contradicts them wearing heavy clothes but they had the windows open and it's freezing out that's because they have to get rid of the smell of vomit now you may see also that they have boxes of plastic garbage bags in their room no your kid didn't suddenly become a clean freak but the boxes of plastic bags are there for them to vomit into when they do their binge and purge the air fresheners are there to get rid of the smell of the puke in the room The windows are open to get rid of the smell of the puke in the room. You see these things, contact your doctor. And believe me, please, don't start making excuses for your child's behavior. You may want to protect your child. That's natural for a parent. But your child needs mental help. And he's not going to get it by just going to the family doctor. The family doctor is going to recommend the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist may recommend that they go to a center and stay at the center to learn. It's the best thing for them. Because in Erin's case, Erin was lucky. Yes, luck. I'm saying lucky that she had a stroke. She could have been dead. Do you know that 25% of the boys that suffer from anorexia nervosa end up at a high risk for dying? 25%. That's scary. 25% of the boys that suffer from anorexia, 9 times out of 10 die. It's a scary percentage. That's... That's four out of ten. You don't want your child or your loved one to die. Sometimes you have to make the hard decisions. And don't blame yourself. It's not your fault. There's no one to blame for this. It's a mental problem. So please, just keep an eye on them. And one other thing. If your kid, if your child, if your loved one starts using drugs, this is why I don't like this thing with legalizing pot, but... If all of a sudden you start noticing that your child or your loved one starts using some illegal drugs, mostly amphetamines, because amphetamines speed you up, and all of a sudden you see your kid going out running every night or every day. If you see your kid wake up in the morning and do 300 sit-ups, unless he's a Marine, (laughs) or he wants to be a Marine or she wants to be a Marine, that's not normal. If they're doing 300 sit-ups in the morning and 300 sit-ups before bed, you know, over-exercising is part of anorexia. And the amphetamines give them that oomph, that kick in the ass to do all of this. It'll also give them the oomph to have a heart attack or a stroke. So if you notice that your kids all of a sudden has all this extra energy, you might want to look into or talk to their friends, find out if they are doing any of this stuff. That fentanyl will kill you. It's very, it's very hard. It's very hard. It's very hard on a parent. It's very hard on a, on a spouse. It's very hard on a friend when they see a friend start to act out of the norm. So just keep an eye on them. <laughs> it's, it becomes 
our job to watch our brothers and our sisters. And, you know, don't forget, if you just want to talk, you can always contact Aaron or myself. You can come to our boards. Go to Aaron's board at famousapple.com forward slash that vegan disabled gal. Erin is a survivor of anorexia nervosa, and she's always on her board. And there's a lot of people on her board that are also survivors of anorexia. And you don't have to be afraid to talk on that board. Nobody is judging you. It's a no-judgment zone, to quote a TV commercial. You can come to my board. That's famousapple.com forward slash group. That brings you to living with a disability. I'm on Aaron's board. Aaron's on my board. Again, no judgment zones. There's people on there that have lived through these diseases and they're willing to help and listen. And there's people on there that are asking questions about it and talking about it. And they're making friends. You have like-minded people on both boards. So you don't have to be afraid of asking a question. No one's going to laugh. No one's going to make fun of you. Or We don't stand for that. We're there to help each other. We're a community. And you're welcome on each board. So please think about joining the boards. And I'm going to put some resources in the show notes for the podcast today that you can go and read about anorexia, learn about it, learn the symptoms, learn the signs, places like the National Eating Disorder Foundation. Great resource. And I want you to remember that an apple a day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. And remember this. We're here for you. So become a part of our communities and you can help others too at the same time. Remember that. You've been listening to An Apple a Day. My name is Jimmy Apple. My co-host today was Aaron Fernandez. And we're here for you. Make sure to join us again next week and we'll talk to you then. Have a great day, my friends. But before I leave, one more thing. One more thing. The music you're going to hear on the way out was written, produced, is being sung by and all the instruments are being played by Neil Kaplan. He is a member of both our groups and he's a great guy. The guy is a phenomenal talent. You want to get in touch with him, you can reach him at either one of our groups, Aaron's group or my group. And I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the song and make sure you're here next week. Take care, my friends. It's a day.
makes a difference to this one. It makes a difference to this one. It makes a difference to each one. Every time you reach out to lend a hand, it makes a difference to this one. It makes a difference to this one. It makes a difference to everyone when you show just a little understanding. It makes a difference to this one. This one.